Awesome. Love to begin uh, preaching just coming out of that video, which reminds us of this incredible season that we're in together. So again, wishing everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Hope you're already marking your calendar for our Christmas Eve or Christmas and or Christmas Eve Eve, depending on your campus. Of course, we'll always be online. I want to welcome you all six of our locations. Also welcome those of you who are tuning in digitally on some kind of uh, device. And so thank you so much for being here. We're in the middle of a series, our Christmas series called A Simple Christmas. And, and the genesis of this series is simply this. You know, life can get complicated. Life can get confusing. Life can get chaotic. Our campus pastors last week kind of taught this principle that Satan, sin, ourselves, we complicate things, but God actually simplifies them. And that, that may sound like foreign to you, or you might, I don't know how God simplifies things. What does that mean? But we're going to talk about that because, you know, at the Christmas season, it's a real simple message. God sent his son. God sent his son as a baby. God sent his son born of a virgin. God sent his son to die in our place. God sent his son to go from uh, the manger to become the Messiah, to die on a cross so he could adopt us, redeem us into his forever family. That's a simple message. And out of that message comes incredible, simple gifts that are amazing, and yet we complicate it, right? Christmas gets crazy about, uh, about where we going and who, what time are we meeting and what are we eating and what are we buying, and, and, and it almost feels like Christmas is more complicated and chaotic than it should be if we let it. So that's why we felt like as we're coming through an incredible season, a crazy season, a world that seems chaotic and crazy, let's go back and let's do a simple Christmas. And today I'm going to talk about a word that is, it can be simple or it can be complicated, and it's a product of what God has done at Christmas, and, and the word is simply peace. And there's not a single person that's listening to me this weekend including yours truly, that doesn't want peace, doesn't want to protect peace, have peace. We want to be at peace in our home. We want to be at peace in our heart. We want to have just peace in the world. And, and peace, you know, what I've discovered for most of us, peace is something that is often sought. It's hard to come by, and it's sometimes even harder to maintain. When we think about peace, a lot of times, you know, we think about something that feels elusive or it feels seasonal or it's like, you know what, I have no peace at work and so I'm going to have peace on Friday night when I go out and do this or go out and do that. But there's this hunger in everybody's heart to have peace and how we pursue it can be complicated, can be crazy, but I just want to talk about simple peace. I want to talk about simple peace and here, here's the challenge we have. Here's the challenge, so lean in with me, okay? The challenge we face together is, is this. The peace that God offers is simple, but it's also supernatural. The peace that God offers is simple, and, and, and we're going to talk through that, but it requires supernatural. It requires God to give and God to show. And so I'm asking God right now as I'm talking with you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for me. God, we need supernatural peace. And, and let me explain that with the words of Jesus, okay? So this is after Jesus was born and, and has grown up and he starts teaching, and he says this, hey, I want you to have peace. He says, I don't want you to have any kind of, just any kind of peace, he says, I want my peace. That's what I want to give to you. And he says, now listen, listen, this is, where, this, is where you, this is where you're tempted to get mad at God, leave God, be confused by God, think that God doesn't exist, and you need to lean in because Jesus says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled or fearful. So the peace 
that God wants to give you and God wants to give me is not a peace like the world. You know, the world gives peace through safety nets. The world gives peace through health insurance and bank accounts. The world gives peace through job security. The world gives peace through treaties. The world gives peace through ceasefires. The world gives peace through the police. The world gives peace through military. And we can thank God for all those forms of peace. But Jesus says, I do not give to you as the world gives. That the peace he offers is not just any peace. It's a different peace. And then he says, hey, you don't need to be troubled or you don't need to be fearful. And undoubtedly, all of us walk in here and we've got a little bit of trouble or fear or, or fear of what might be or what could be, uh, or we're troubled by something that already is. And then to compound this, and this is why it's simple, but it's supernatural because we're talking supernatural here. Jesus, Son of God, wants to give something to us, but he's not going to give it the way the world gives it. So there's some of us in here and we're confused because we're not at peace because of something going on around us. We're not at peace because of something, something the doctor told us. We're not at peace because of something we watched on the news. We're not at peace because of a situation at work. And we look at God and we're like, hey, Christmas, let there be peace on earth. You're going to see that sign everywhere. You're going to hear this title of Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And you look at your life and you look at God and you look at your life and you look at God. You, you hear me as a preacher tell you, show you this verse. And we're like, God, what are you doing? Where's the peace? Well, Jesus is going to make it even more challenging because he says this later on. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then right after that he says, but in this world you'll have trouble. <laughs> and so we're like, how can we have peace when in this world we'll have trouble? And, and you know what I mean? So in this world you'll have COVID. In this world, you'll have cancer. In this world, you'll have negative posts about you on social media. In this world, work will be troubling. Finances will be troubling. In this world, not everybody's going to like you. In this world, people might make fun of you because you're a Christian. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but I want you to have my peace. And, and so I started thinking, I was like, you know what? I was like, you know what? Peace for us and the way we pursue it is like playing a game of Jenga. Right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So we're all building a life, and, and, but, and, and we're all just kind of stacking this life up together. I don't know if you've played the game. You know, you stack all these things. I think there's like 54 of them. I read the rules earlier today, so I'd be familiar with it. And, and, and then, you know, you just come around, and you, you take one out. And you, and you all, everybody knows that you remove, you don't know necessarily which piece it is, but one of these pieces gets removed, and the whole thing crumbles. And I was like, most of us have Jenga piece. Somebody bumps it, it falls. We move the wrong one, it falls. Now, as long as it looks like this and it's good, we're at peace, right? But we're just one little removal or one little bump or one little shake, and it just all crumbles and it all falls. And so I was thinking about my life and my story, and you know, many of you that have shared prayer requests or situations with me, and even non-believers, right? What most of us know is fragile peace. Peace that's shaky, peace that can be easily taken or disrupted. I mean, we could all get news any minute and be like, oh, peace is gone. 
I was reminded, like, my, my kids like Finding Nemo. I don't remember, the, you know, remember the scene where they're like, I think there's a shark or some kind of fish. And he's like, good feeling gone, you know. <laughs> it's like, and so you're walking through, good feeling gone, peace gone. And, and so here's the crazy thing, because when we think of peace, we think of fragile peace. You know, fragile peace, peace that can be easily taken if the stock market changes or easily taken if, you know, if inflation continues or easily taken if the doctor report says, I mean, it can be easily taken if the social media posts are like, eh, you know, it can be easily taken. So most of us know fragile peace. And here's the paradox of that. Fragile peace can often lead to stress, worry, and fear about what might be, could be, and oh, what if they bump it wrong, right? And that's kind of where we live. And then we look at God, and we're like, God, this peace thing. And he says, listen, you're going to have trouble in this world. I've never told you otherwise. Any preacher that tells you otherwise is lying to you. So you're going to have trouble until he comes back, makes it right. But I'm going to offer you a peace that is not fragile. It's simple, it's supernatural, but it's not fragile. I'm going to, and later on, Paul will describe this peace as a peace that passes all understanding. And I, I really believe this, okay? You want it, I want it, the world wants it. So let's go for it, all right? Let's go for it. So I just want to tell a, share a great story that comes out of Christmas. We're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. It's a familiar, familiar story. It's the story of the shepherds <coughs> and the announcement to the shepherds about Jesus. And in this, we're going to discover a simple peace. Here we go, the Word of God today. So we're in the same region, the region around where Jesus was born, so Bethlehem. Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Now, here's where the Bible, and you kind of got to get into first century culture, but here's where, you know, you just got to pinch yourself and, and just thank God for the Bible because shepherds were not highly thought of in the first century. Little boys didn't grow up and say, hey, mom, I want to grow up and be a shepherd. You know, I mean, in the first century, Roman Empire, a whole culture thing, a lot of times shepherds were not, didn't even, were not known to have great reputations. You know, they're not, not, not known to, you know, be necessarily uh, men of high regard, if you will. Okay. And yet... Of all the classes of people that God could choose to make an amazing announcement about something that happened in the same region, something that happened in Bethlehem, the birth of Jesus, of all the people God could choose to make this announcement to, he didn't choose the local politicians, he didn't choose the wealthy guys, he didn't choose, you know, the people that might be on the cover of People magazine, the people you and I are tempted to think we're supposed to be like, he chose shepherds just says something about God. So these shepherds are out keeping their flock, and then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Good feeling, gone, right? Good feeling, gone. Somebody just bumped the Jenga tower for these shepherds, right? They, somebody messed with their status quo, right? And, and what's remarkable, if you go through most uh, most, if not all, Zachariah, Elizabeth, Mary, uh, the shepherds, when, when, the when the announcement comes about what God's going to do or has done at Christmas, the common response is a human reaction of fear and a godly announcement that you don't need to be afraid. I have come that you might have peace, but I don't give to you as the, the way the world does. There it is. So the angel says, don't be afraid for look. 
I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, even the shepherd kind of people. Even, you know, we, at Rockbridge, we say it this way. We want to connect people from all walks of life to life in Christ. Not just churchy people, not just people who were raised in the church or spiritual people, but people, people, all people, right? So for good news for all the people. And here's the good news. Today in the city of David, that would be the town of Bethlehem where David himself was born, a Savior was born for you, for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, it's important in this announcement to pay attention to the prepositions. Go back to like English class. Pay attention to the prepositions. Good news of great joys, right? So I proclaim to you, the shepherds, good news for all the people. In the city of David, a Savior was born for you. God's done something for you, and he's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth lying in a manger. And, and even this, that, that the Son of God is born in a feeding trough for livestock. I, again, it says something about God, right? His humility. I mean, we don't think of King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Hey, you're going to be born in a manger. That's where he was born. Suddenly there was a great multitude, a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven because of what God has done for you. A Savior has been given to you. And here it is, and peace on earth to people he favors, to people he favors. Now let's unpack what's going on here from, from this perspective of peace and this perspective of fear. So the first response of the shepherds of good news, this first response of the shepherds is they have fear. And what, it, what we have to recognize is this, paralyzing and preventing fear is a product of what we are telling ourselves in any given situation or any season. So, so something happens, and we immediately begin the self-talk. We immediately develop an interpretation of a problem, a situation, or a season. And it could be the world is against me. It could be I'm going to lose everything. It could be my marriage is over. It could be I'm no good. It could be God's against me. So what happens when we get paralyzing and preventing fear, we're just talking to ourselves. We're talking to ourselves. My son the other night faced a little athletic adversity, if you know what I'm talking about. We got in the car, we're driving home, and I said, tell me what you're telling yourself right now. And he said, I feel like trash. So I got to do something about that. I remember I was in fifth grade, first, first baseball game, right? I struck out three times. I remember what I told myself then. No good. Going to get cut. And you start telling yourself stuff that paralyzes you from purpose, that paralyzes you from peace, that prevents you from going where God wants to take you. You know what I'm talking about. So, so it might look like this if we were just to kind of draw it up, right? So this is us 
And, you know, sometimes it can be one P, sometimes it can be a bunch of P's. But this is the pain, the pressures, the troubles of life that Jesus said we would have, but we could still have peace. But here's what happens. When these things come pressing in on us, good feeling gone. Peace is gone. The Jenga tower crumbles, falls, or gets shaky, right? So that's what's going on when the shepherd's angel comes with good news. Shepherds tell themselves, why is the angel here? That's got to be bad news. We're just shepherds, right? Good feeling gone, peace gone. We're afraid. And the angel has to step in and say, don't be afraid because I have good news. So the voice of God always contradicts, goes against the voices of fear and worry. Hear me. The voice, you want to know how people, I don't know how to hear the voice of God. The voice of God always contradicts the voice of fear and the voice of worry because God has something for you beyond fear, beyond worry, beyond stress, beyond anxiety. So it always does, the voice of God always does that. But it puts you and I at a crossroads, doesn't it? Because do you go with what you're telling yourself in the moment or the season? I'm trash. I'm no good. God's against me. The marriage is over. Life can't get any better. The best is not ahead of me. The best is behind me. Do you go with what those voices are saying? Or do you go with the voice of God that says there's good news for great joy that's for all the people? That's the crossroads. That's the decision point we face in this. But let's press forward a little bit more because there's something remarkable going on in this story. The angel says, this is good news for all the people. That means all people can hear the voice of God. Shepherds can hear the voice of God. He didn't go to the local rabbi. He went to shepherds. So all people can hear the voice of God. And I've been praying for you this whole week. That you, this weekend, something supernatural would happen. I can't do it. But that you would hear the voice of God. But it does put you at a crossroads. Because you're telling yourself something. Your troubles, the peas all around you telling you something. But God's telling you something too. So all people can hear the voice of God. But oftentimes, the voice that comes from fear and worry just drowns out the voice of God. Now, why is that? And why do we sometimes miss God's voice? And why are we tempted when the peas that are all around us press in upon us, take our peace, good feeling gone? Why do we feel like God is absent when God is very much present? Why? Jesus said it, in this world you have trouble, but you'll have my peace, or you can't have my peace. So he said it, trouble and peace can coexist, but you can have a peace that's bigger than your trouble. You can have a peace that doesn't rob you from your purpose. So, so why is it? Because remember we said it, we said at the beginning, your campus pastor said it last week, sin, Satan, and ourself complicates things. God simplifies things. Here's why we miss God when the peas are all around us. Because threats to our peace, our Jenga peace now, not, our, not God's peace, but our Jenga peace, and most of, most of us mistake Jenga peace for God's peace. So threats to our peace are often threats to the idols or the, sub, the God substitutes that operate within us. So human beings are idol factories. We all have idols that we that get us that lean it that we that, that kind of take what, what an idol is it's anything that takes the place or the power of God in your life 
And if you dig deep in your heart, and this is where you got to get past news, weather, and sports Christianity. This is where you got to get past, oh, God, you know, Christmas is here. You know, see you next week, preacher. And you got to go inside your heart. And a lot of us don't want to go there. You know, like we don't want to go to the dentist because what's he going to tell us, right? But we got to get inside our heart. And inside the human heart, there's a, I mean, it depends on how you kind of get there, but there's about four core idols. Comfort, control, approval, and power. It, most people that get addicted to stuff, it's not as simple as saying, hey, quit drinking, quit looking at porn. It's drinking or looking at porn is being fueled by the desire for one of these four things. Most people that are workaholics, it's not as easy. Hey, don't quit working so hard. Well, their work is providing one of these four things. People that bounce from girlfriend or boyfriend to boyfriend to girlfriend, you know, why are you dating so many people? Just quit dating. They can't because one of these four things are causing them to keep going, right? Sleeping around, doing whatever they want, you know, because one of these four things are working. But religious people can have these four things working, right, or or comfort or approval or control or power. You know, I've preached sermons to support some of these idols. Just keeping it real, right? Keeping it real. So what happens is this. When a big P problem comes around and you and I lose peace, Jenga peace, fragile peace, it's because it's a threat to one or all of these four things. It's a threat to my comfort. I don't like change. It's a threat to the approval I need. I've got to have these five people, these 25 people, I've got to have people's approval right? It's a threat to our control, a threat to power. And so when these things get threatened, good feeling gone, peace is gone. Peace is gone. And then we get mad at God because God, you're supposed to help me remain in control. God, you're supposed to keep my life comfortable. God, I don't you know, God, I need a boyfriend to feel good about myself. And God just wants to pop that Jenga tower down. Because he said, you're going to have trouble, but you still have peace. So, right? So, all these P's come in, and what makes me me is I'm comfortable, or I have approval, or control, or power, and these P's come in and threaten me, so I don't have peace. So, I don't have peace. <laughs> and that's how it happens. In fact, I mean, you can, you can see this at work this way, and you don't have to raise your hand, but you can do it in your head. Many of us, we've probably gotten mad at our spouse or mad at our kids or mad at our boss. And it wasn't really because of anything they did, but what they did or what happened is was a threat to our comfort, approval, control, or power. A lot of marriages get, they just battle. And the, and the spouse becomes a threat to one of these three, or a perceived threat to one of these four things. The reason we get so mad at government because government might be a threat to one of these things, right? The reason we get so absorbed in social media and got to check, got to check, got to check is because of that right right there, approval. And these people are watching me. The picture's got to be perfect. I need, how many likes did you get in the last two seconds, baby? What's that about? Good feeling gone, right? And, but that's the way our hearts operate, absent an invasion of God. And what's Christmas? It's an invasion, all right. It just came the way we wouldn't have expected a king to come, to shepherds, to go see a baby in a manger, right? 
And that's why we have to understand how God works. Because if you think God works the way you want him to work, you will miss God or you're going to live mad at God because he's not playing our little Jenga game. So here's what happens. Here's how God works, okay? Change your life. Peace for God has nothing to do with the absence of a catalyst for fear or a trigger for fear. Because he said, what did Jesus say? John 16, 33, in this world, you are going to have what? Trouble. So peace for God has nothing to do with the absence of a catalyst for fear. God doesn't want you to be afraid because a pandemic occurs. God doesn't want you to be afraid because inflation went, goes, is going up. God doesn't want you to be afraid because the doctor said it might be that, but you don't want it to be. God doesn't want you to be afraid. God doesn't want you to lose peace because they quit following you. Peace has everything to do with the presence of Christ. And Christmas is the announcement that God is with you and me and all people, even the shepherds. So the voice of God at Christmas or through Christmas is that. Jesus is here, and he's here in a way you can recognize him. He's in a manger. And he is available and gracious to all people, even shepherds, keeping watch in the field. So, when the Christmas invasion of history invades our heart, God replaces your idols or He becomes your comfort. He becomes the only approval you need. He becomes your power. He becomes the one who's in control, and you let him because he's so good and gracious to all. So now, here we have us, and we are with and in Christ. Remember he said this, in me you'll have peace, even though in the world you have trouble. So now the problem comes, and it encounters us, but we're encapsulated in Christ. We're with Christ. We're not threatened by any of this. And, the, and, then we, and so peace is maintained because we're in his presence. We're in Christ. This is supernatural. I can show you a visual, but you and I have to surrender and be receptive to God's work in us and for us through Christmas to the cross supernatural. It's simple. It's simple, right? Let me illustrate it. If we're all in, if we're all in, if we're all, let's do this. We're all in the ocean, right? We're on a fishing trip, like Gilligan, three-hour tour, right? Something like that. Storm comes up, the boat falls apart, and we're floating. Good feeling gone, right? The Coast Guard suddenly shows up. 
Waves are still bad. The storm is still there. But we get put inside a Coast Guard cutter around some of the best seamen, people who know how to drive ships and incredible boats that can withstand it. We're good. Because we're in the ship with the Coast Guard, baby. Right? We're walking down a dark alley at night. You know? Crime-ridden neighborhood. Good feeling gone. Right? Suddenly, a Navy SEAL team shows up and say, we'll walk with you down the alley. I got some peace, baby, right? That's what God's done in Christ, and he wants to put you in his son in Christ. We say yes to that. So that's what it looks like. Let's kind of get a path forward, okay? Let's go back and join our shepherds, right? They were scared. They were nervous. Angel says, don't be afraid. Good news for all people, even you shepherds. Great joy for all people. So what do they say? Well, when the angels had left them <coughs> and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. God has made something known at Christmas. We're reminded of it. He has invaded history, but he wants not to just invade history. He wants to invade your heart and put you in his son, Right? So they, they go, we got to go see this. They hurried off, found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Suddenly they realized they're a part of the divine drama of what God's been up to. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. So I, I, I want to help put everybody, well, God's got to do it. You got to cooperate. I just need to be clear. So Holy Spirit, help me be clear. I just want to help everybody get on a path to peace. Because, you know, you never really pursue peace directly. You pursue the things that give you peace, right? So if money, you think money will make you happy, money will give you that good feeling, you pursue money. You think a girl will do it, you pursue a girl. If you think a beer will do it, you go get a beer, right? So how do we get on a path not to... Jenga peace, but to God's peace, the peace Jesus said, the peace Jesus offers that puts us safe or puts us at peace even with problems. First is you got to hear the incredible invitation to go to Bethlehem, to go be with God, to be in the presence of God, to give Jesus the steering wheel of your life, to give Jesus the, the controls of the ship to grab the lifeline, to grab the life preserver, to climb the ladder, to get out of the sea, however you're facing it, hey, you got to hear that incredible invitation. Now, let me just say this. For some of you, God's invitation to you, you perceive it like the shepherds did initially. You perceive it as a threat because if you say yes to God, you've got to stop trying to build your own life, your way, your power, and your resources. So it's a threat. Oh man, if I go with God, I got to give up. If I go with God, what if he does this? What if he makes me do that? But hear it. It's an incredible invitation from an incredibly good, glorious God. And it's open to all people. Every, there's not a single person that I'm speaking to, whether it's online, six locations, that God does not want to give himself to, and thus his peace to. So hear the invitation. Name your it. 
and replace it with Christ. Your it is the thing you think other than God in Christ is necessary for you to have peace. I thought about rattling off about 20 things to give you an idea, but I'm not. I'm going to do this. Holy Spirit, right now as I preach, show every person here what their it is. That false source of peace, that fragile Jenga-like peace that oftentimes takes your place in my life. So you name that. And you replace that with Christ. Get on the path toward the presence of God. Remember I said it earlier, right? You pursue things that you believe, I believe, will give us peace. Hey, I pursue a destination on the beach because I'm at peace. Good feelings here, right? When at the beach, good feeling here, right? I pursue money. I pursue girls. I pursue drugs because they can bring me peaceful feelings, right? I have peace. God has peace, so pursue his presence, intentionally pursue his presence. Now, let me just kind of stop right here because there's a couple of things that get people tripped up when they start pursuing God. Number one, you do not have to understand everything. Some people are like, well, you think peace comes through your understanding. God promises you a peace that passes all understanding. You think the shepherds knew everything? Mary and Joseph didn't know everything. When the shepherds came, they told them something new, and Mary and Joseph were like, oh, right? You don't have to understand everything. So many people, I just don't know why. I just don't know when. I just don't know how. I just don't Stop. Stop. God does. That's all you need to know. Let go of your it. Your it could be your own understanding. You don't have to understand everything. Secondly, you don't have to feel anything first. Never heard this? I just don't have a piece about it. Shepherds didn't either. If they just stopped there, they'd have missed Jesus. So you don't have to feel anything first. Yeah, the feelings come. Don't get me wrong. But don't make feelings your guide, okay? I don't have to feel anything first. Now, let me also kind of add two things, and then we'll pray, okay? If we're going to pursue the presence of God, we have to pay attention to pace. I, I, I want to be as honest as I can, and, I, and I'm preaching to myself. I'm looking in the mirror also as I'm looking at you, okay? Some of you... And sometimes me are not at a pace where you can pay attention to God. The shepherds, I don't know how. I don't know if they took the sheep with them. I don't know what. But whatever, they hurried off to go see Jesus. Some of us, you know what, we're like, I don't have time to pursue God. I don't have time. I can be in church every day. Oh, I got to work on Sunday. Oh, I can't even come on Thursday. Oh, I I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to get in a small group where godly people are praying with me, praying for me. I don't, I, 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 then don't blame God when you don't have peace. Okay? If God wanted you and I to live a rat race, he would not have commanded us to take a Sabbath, and he would have required us to have less sleep. Pay attention to your pace. The shepherds could leave it all to go pursue Jesus. Build a pace, build a rhythm in your life where you can go to seek the presence of God. Some of us, let me just be real, 
Some of you are clock watchers in worship. As soon as I say amen, boom, out the door. I want to ask you something. God told us to be here. What's your rush to leave? Pace. Finally, shepherds leave Jesus, leave the manger, go back to being a shepherd. Circumstances didn't change. They're still shepherds. They just added praise to their position. What changed? Circumstances? No, they changed. They added praise to their position. Because all pra- you know what praise does? It fixes our minds, fixes our hearts on the glorious truth of a glorious God. And the more you fix your mind and fix your hearts on the glorious truths about a glorious God, eventually your emotions catch up with that. And good feeling comes. Peace comes that passes all understanding. Peace that's not Jenga peace. Peace that's not like the world. Peace that only God can provide. And he has provided because the Prince of Peace is here. Let's pray together. God, let no one, it's a big prayer, God. Everybody's at a crossroads. Let no one, let no one, God, miss you this weekend. There's not a single heart that doesn't want peace that passes understanding. There's not a single heart, God, that doesn't want peace that's way less fragile than the peace we might have been pursuing. So, God, do your work. Bring peace as you bring people to your manger, as you bring people to your cross, as you bring people to your empty tomb, as you invade their heart with your grace and your love. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. God, if there's lives in here that need to surrender to you, Knock on that heart, and may the person that hears your voice choose to follow you, choose to surrender to you. God, there's people here facing troubles. We see it every week in our prayer requests, here in our small groups. See it on people, our, each other's faces. God, you never promise us a life without trouble, but you promise us a peace. I pray peace that only comes from your presence upon our folks here today. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we look to you. And Jesus, in your name, we pray.